0: Hello and welcome everybody to another edition of the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. Wherever you may be and whenever you may be listening, Rob Peters and myself, Josh Roller, hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, Rob's going to tell you some news, uh, which we may editorialize a little bit, give our opinions. Uh, We have a massive featured paint scheme segment, I think Rob and I enjoyed this last year. I think we're going to enjoy it again this year. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about Turkey and the Turkish Grand Prix, uh, where some history was made, in case you missed that, uh, and you're finding out on this show. And, of course, the very usual but highly unpredictable upshift, downshift, and rollers-featured racetrack segments. Uh, Rob and I, again, we hope you enjoyed today's show. Um, If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're new, we hope you enjoyed today's show. We see some growth in our numbers and that's uh, that's awesome so the word is getting out there uh and spread around that's great to see um so before we get started though is let's talk about we review our twitters here rob is at rpeters 33 that's r-p-e-e-t-e-r-s-3-3 myself is at roller uh underscore zero one r-o-l-l-e-r underscore zero one the show is at rob roller just as the sounds r-o-b-a-n-d-r-o-l-l-e-r and of course, use the hashtag Rob and Roller. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it off here to the start. Rob's Ration report. Take it away.
1: Yeah. Hey, thank you, everybody. Uh, today, we've got a lot of news to talk about. We still do have news because, you know, if, even in the offseason, we still have news. We're always going to have news no matter what happens. Um, so Formula One has some interesting news. So we've got uh, last week we released uh, the new schedules for Formula 2 and Formula 3, and we already announced how that all is all going to be. They're not going to race on the same weekends anymore, uh, which I'm not too happy about, but we do have some new news here, is the yeah. W Series will now play as a support race in eight rounds of the 2021 Formula 1 season. The 2020 uh, season, which was canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic, had eight planned races, but only three were on tracks Formula 1 contested races on Monza, Circuit of the Americas, and uh, the Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, There's been, as I, you know, I don't like to criticize W Series all that much because I understand why it exists. There's a lot of people who really don't like it. There's a lot of female drivers who really don't like it. I hope I am worried still because keep in mind the thing about the W Series, and I've said this a lot, is there's a lot of women who really are not who are like, this is just going to hurt my career. This isn't going to help it. This is going to hurt it. Uh, and the women who typically don't think that are the ones who are just coming up from karting. Uh, You know, they're just getting their starts essentially in karting, or they just came out of karting. They've had like a season or two under their belts, and this is their first big single-seater attempt. Um, And that's not exactly the kind of thing you want to put on in front of Formula One crowds. That's not exactly the kind of product you want to put on. And I think in order for the W Series to have success and achieve what it wants to achieve. Again, I don't think it necessarily needs to exist. But if in order for but if it is going to exist, if it is going to exist, it absolutely needs to do something about its own image problem. Because we've got one season under our belt and Jamie Chadwick literally whipped the field as if it was NBD. Uh and we all know already how w- good Jamie Chadwick is. Um you know I don't know what's happened in the latest rounds of the Formula Ridge uh your uh excuse me. Forming the Regional European Championship, but then again, I don't know. I, I feel like she, Prema's definitely not favoring her, and I think that is, is hindering her. And that's not to be surprising. Usually, Prema doesn't tend to favor the guys who don't have a lot of money. Jamie Chadwick does not have a lot of money, ergo she's probably not going to get as much help as you know Arthur LeClaire is, or Os- Oliver Rasmussen is. You know what I mean? Um, those are her teammates. So. And that's unfortunate, but she's that problem is not exclusive to her. Um, we've seen it in Formula Two and ART. Uh, you know, Christian Lundgaard got basically, or no, not Lundgaard. I'm um, Marcus Armstrong got almost no help while his teammate got all the help. You know, and Marcus Armstrong was almost F3 champion last year, uh, and and now he's just he's just he got nothing. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, I did I did call. I said it would be the ultimate form of irony. I, I I didn't tweet that, but it would be in my head. I was thinking it would be the ultimate form of irony if they ended up uh, uh, joining Formula 1 in Saudi Arabia, and then there was a motorsport.com article, like the very next day, that's like, yeah. Saudi Arabia opened a hosted W-series. if yeah. it's like, really? Really? Yeah. The place where women couldn't drive until like two years ago? Really? Yeah. Like, legally? Seriously, it was not legal yeah. for a woman to drive in Saudi Arabia until yeah. two years ago and that was – and there was a serious problem because when Formula E announced the race, they are like, what are we going to do if there's a female driver? Is she even going to be allowed to race because it's not legal for her to drive in the country? It's like this is ridiculous. Again, human rights are apparently not important anymore. to Formula 1. So, oh, boy. Anyway, moving on from Formula 1, unless, Josh, you had something to add to that. No, no I, think, <laughs> okay. I think it's good. There's some good IMSA news. So we lost Very Team good. Penske. We lost Team Penske to IMSA, but we're getting Ganassi back. Ganassi's coming back. Scott Pruitt's not going to be back, though, but um, he's not going to say hi to his family at home because, you know, he's retired. He's spending time with his family at home. Uh, but Chip Ganassi Racing is set to return to IMSA in 2021 with a DPI VR Cadillac entry, replacing Wayne Taylor Racing. Um, currently, C- Chip Ganassi Racing is looking for a both a full-time line of drivers and sponsors for a single-car entry. Scott Dixon is expected to be part of the four endurance races next season. That's an interesting call, and and this is why I think Rick Hendrick probably dropped the ball on the Jimmy and Chase doing twenty four because I could totally see Jimmy doing this, doing the twenty four next year with this. Yeah. I mean, this is it, it's almost like Jimmy is a Chip Ganassi racing driver now. Like mm-hmm. if Scott Dixon's going to be a part of it, I'm pretty sure Jimmy is going to be as well, right? Yeah, and I, mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Alex polluted a stint, did a stint. You know what I mean?
0: Uh, maybe. Won't well, they, two. Two, they have two full time drivers and then like have? Scott and oh, Jimmy yeah, you're right. do do that. I mean, I because I, I think Chase is going to be in the Corvette, but you never know. Maybe I, I don't know. That would be interesting. That would be. But I I feel like it it's it's a slam dunk for
1: them to do that.
0: Very, it's a great. It's, it's a, a very, thing. it's a
1: slam dunk. I mean, you you're you're literally looking at you're sitting on Scott Dixon and Jimmy Johnson, two of the best drivers of their era. Yeah. In their respective sports, mm-hmm. and you have them under contract, and you can do with them as you please. Put them in a sports car and say, "Go win! They're, Go win Daytona!" You know, I feel like they could do it. You I know, do I, too. I, I mean, it, it, that's like the the thinking about that. Just thinking about that, imagining that Scott Dixon and Jimmy Johnson together on a on a, in a Chip Ganassi race in Cadillac DPI. Yeah. Look out, everybody else! Look out! You know, because you're not going to get your. I mean, that's that's like uh, if if. Uh, AJ Foyt and Mario Andretti like teamed up. Or Richard Petty and uh
0: David Pearson.
1: P- yeah, teamed up. It, it, no, well you could put you know, you could put actually Richard Petty and AJ Foyt. Let's say Richard Petty and AJ Foyt ran Daytona, yeah, that cars makes Daytona, more sense. in a sports car. That's essentially yeah. what that would be like. Two <laughs> of the best drivers of their era. quite literally seven-time yeah. champion uh at, at IndyCar, it, it, excuse me, in NASCAR, Richard Petty, and and then AJ Foyt is, a, is he a six or seven time champion. Isn't seven six? time. Seven time. So two seven time champions. Yeah. Yeah.
0: 100%. Can we get yeah, a seven time we, and a six time? So can we get like Richard Petty and, and AJ Foyt like in two laps apiece in a piece in a car at the 24 hours just to say they were teammates? Okay, is that possible? Is that too much to ask?
1: I think they're too old. I don't think they're we do the, do that. under caution.
0: Under caution, maybe. Under, or is that just is it is that like a no? Okay. Maybe we should I, move have on. No <laughs> I have no
1: idea. I have no idea. But anyway, so that that's happening. Oh, and this isn't necessarily IMSA news, but it is sports car related. Uh, Juan Pablo Montoya is going to race in with Dragon Speed next year at the WEC. So, I called it. I called it Mm -hmm. on the show. I said I'm pretty sure Juan is going to go chase that triple crown and try and go and get Le Mans in the twilight of his career. All the while, Sebastian is over in Europe racing an Italian F4 right now. He's probably going to spend a lot more time with Sebastian now that he's over in Europe and not over here in America racing for team yeah. Penske. So I think that, that works out great. And I kind of figured that was going to make sense because, you know, one has this one last box. He's got to check off on his racing resume. Uh, and he's got a son that's out there right now, racing in Europe that I'm sure he would like to be at join at the races and be there for with him, um, at those races. So, and I think Seb would really benefit from it because I mean, he's done well, he's done well in, in Italian F4, but he, you know, He's not exactly running up front and winning like kind of I think people expected, uh, but then again, it's his first season. It's his first season, so you know, give him I, I give him that. It's his first season, and it's his first season not in a go kart, in a big stock car, in, not a stock car. Sorry, excuse me, in a big single seater. It's his first single seater race. So, you know, I would say it's, he's probably going to need another couple of seasons to to get to get to where I think he can be a a viable F three or F two driver um and i think juan being over there in europe is gonna definitely help with that so all right uh now into nascar news and this wow i saw this i didn't see this
0: happening did you see this happening because i I didn't see this happening i did not see this happening at all this yeah this is a shocking move yeah uh,
1: john hunter nemacek revealed on social media that he would not be returning to front row motorsports in 2021 Bob Jenkins, owner of FRM, said we want to thank John Hunter for being part of Front Row Motorsports and beginning his NASCAR Cup Series career with us. He certainly helped elevate our performance this past season and brought added value to our 38 team. We wish him the best in the next phase of his career, and he will always be a friend of ours. So that is surprising because it seems like he left on his own terms.
0: I th- I won't say what I think here because it's a question later in the show. Okay. Um. But, I, th- yeah, I agree. I think he left on his own terms and has a plan.
1: I don't know what that can't plan could entail. I mean, I thought he did pretty – I mean, I, I think, think Bob Jenkins, what he said there would be accurate. I think the last half of his season didn't exactly go very well. Um, and, again, I think a lot of rookies this year struggled because yeah. of the lack of practice. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, it's it's very, very unfair, I think, to criticize a lot of the rookies this season. I think if anything, you have to give them a bit more credit because they did go out there with zero track time whatsoever. I mean, a lot of those drivers, the first time they were hitting those tracks was the first time ever they'd hit the track. You know, there was some, you know, I think first time a lot of those guys had run, um, uh, at a, at a lot of places. So, um, just interesting. I think Martinsville too was one where it was like guys had not run at Martinsville in a long time. And. You know, just just crazy stuff so um yeah. anyway uh and then how about this this is this is also surprising i did not see this happening either uh adam stevens is moving from kyle bush to christopher bells crew chief at 2021 uh ben beshore would now serve as the crew chief for kyle bush now bob Prockers... i'm going to pull this up on my twitter real quick because i don't have it written down here but i want to um pull it up on my twitter here uh, real quick because bob pocker's did tweet out a couple other things of about the okay so uh let's see here so jason ratcliffe will now crew chief harrison burton dave rogers will crew chief daniel hemrick this is in, in xfinity uh-huh. yeah uh jeff mendering will continue to crew chief brandon jones and chris J- gale who was brandon jones crew chief um i thought
0: it was me. eric jones's crew eric chief.
1: jones's crew chief excuse me yeah he was eric jones's crew chief he said it just says jones there and i yeah. forgot which one was which will crew chief the number 54 full-time car, which will have a mix of drivers. So the 54 is basically going to be a full-time. It's probably going to be a Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin.
0: It's going to be an all-star car. You know, the all-star car, Um, which is fine. Uh, Might have a lot in it too. Because you're, I mean, you're going to, they're limited to to five races, right? So if it's going to run full-time.
1: It's going to run full-time. That's right. That's right. Oh my God. I just read that. That's right. I don't know why. So,
0: I I mean, you're going to have to, you're gonna to have to fill those races somehow, but this is exciting. I like Joe Gibbs Racing kind of putting that extra commitment in, and, and I, I, I'm yeah. going to enjoy that instead of just a 54 running. What did it run? Six races this year? Oh,
1: yeah, it only ran. I think it ran.
0: It only ran, ran five with Kyle, five and five with, with Denny. Kyle, and
1: one with Denny, Yeah,
0: yeah, that's exciting. That's exciting. I'm honestly, I kind of think this is. I, I feel like this is a gut reaction to just a bad season. You know, it's oh yeah, like, hundred uh, percent. I'm like I I I think Adam Stevens and Kyle Busch make a good combination. I would have at and, least, and they been have right for there.
1: for for the last several years. I mean, he, I yeah. mean, they've been great. And I think this is the same situation. This this is almost the same thing as the, when they moved Chad Canales away from Jimmy Johnson. But that, that was like, you guys had years. One, that was yeah, he, They had one bad season where they didn't make that. You know, where they had one bad season where they didn't advance to the playoffs, and they're like, all right, we're done. It's like what, well, what. These guys have worked together was, for years, more, and you're going to kill that?
0: I think there's more to it than that, in a sense. But, I, I I mean, they didn't... Yeah, I just think it's a gut reaction. I will give it another year, because there were certainly down years for Jimmy and, and Chad in between championship number five and championship number seven. Yeah. So, I, I mean, just because you didn't win at all, and you only or you only won one race, doesn't mean... you. Alright, we gotta we gotta rewrite the rules here. This is how we're gonna do it.
1: We got some more silly season news in the Xfinity series too. Oh by the way, speaking of Joe Gibbs Racing, hey Daniel Hemricks going to the eighteen full time. Uh so he's gonna replace Riley Herbst in that ride. Yeah. Uh so that that great, great. Get there for Daniel Hemrick. Now he's gotta win.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. It's like at this point for Daniel Hemrick, I feel like twenty twenty one is make or break year for him at this point. I like do. If oh, you great. either win a race this year, or, buddy, you might have to kiss having good rides goodbye. You know, you know what I yeah. mean. Like you're gonna end up racing with Joey Gase as your teammate here pretty soon if you're not careful. <laughs> and I don't think anybody wants that.
0: <laughs> I think he might replace Joey Gase, but okay, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: I I I don't know
1: how Joey Gase has money, but apparently he has money. I guess
0: I don't know, or he
1: just does it for free. Because he doesn't care. I don't know. I don't know anything about Joey Gates. Um, but yeah, this is definitely make or break year for Hamrick. He's basically gotta win. He's in what could be considered the best best ride in the series. And what's his competition gonna be next year? Austin Sindrick? Okay, can you beat this guy? Can you beat Austin Cindrick? I'm pretty sure he could beat Austin Cindrick. Um at least he should be able to beat Austin Cindrick for the championship next year. Um Anyway, Riley Herbst will exit Joe Gibbs Racing, and he will move to Stuart Haas Racing in 2021, taking over for Chase Briscoe.
0: Oh, see this one. Really this intense. one is really this. I, both these, see, both these first two moves are like really like. Oh wow, this is good. Look, I
1: what Riley Herbst did this year in the 18 was almost nothing. I mean. Did I, I forgot he even ran the whole season. He was in every Trinity race and you would have completely I I would have if you told me that he was a part-time driver, I would have believed you that's how little I paid attention to him or little how he little impact he had on any race. That's fair. Chase Briscoe won nine races and he's stepping into that car.
0: It's a tall I mean it you're stepping stepping into some big shoes. like good I would luck, argue dude. bigger than 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 the kind of void of the all-star car that he was just in.
1: Dude, so. he got shown up by Ty Gibbs in an ARCA car. In the same ARCA car. Yeah. At some point, the Riley Herbst experiment, I'm sorry, needs to probably end with top teams. Again, this is another guy who's probably going to end up being teammates with Joey Gase at some point. Again, no offense to Joey Gase, but come on, dude. Get in a better ride if you got money. At least try to like go to Gott Brothers or something. I don't know. Stop running around with Rick Ware. You're not gonna get anywhere. <laughs> Rick don't Ware lie. is a dead end team, dude. Uh anyway. Um, oh, Brett Moffitt is leaving the truck series, and he's going to our motorsports in the Xfinity series in 2020. He already ran for uh our motorsports uh last year, but he's driving full-time next year. Um and uh chat colleague racing has announced their successor to Ross Chastain, it will be E. Please clap, Jeb Burton.
0: <laughs> I like both these. For, I like both those moves. I like I Brett do, Moffitt. I, I like Brett Moffitt. I think he's. I think he's elevated that team a lot. I think you have another driver in team who will compete for the playoffs next season. And I like Jeb Burton. Going to college. Yeah, he doesn't have any, uh, he only has the one win at Texas in the truck series. But I think he's proven, hey, give me good equipment. I can do the job.
1: I don't think anybody has ever doubted Jeb Burton's ability. Well, maybe some people have. I know I haven't, personally, though. uh, Because I saw what he could do when he was given a competitive truck. And he had, what, one, maybe two years with a competitive truck? And then that was that? too. He had two years <laughs> with a competitive tracker, that was that. This guy like never really got any other opportunities. And then after that, what did he do? He ran for some. He ran for BK Racing in the Cup Series, which is basically the predecessor to Rick Ware, uh, and which basically meant have fun running around thirtieth, if that, thirty-fifth maybe. Um, you're not gonna get any higher, no matter what you do, no matter how good of a driver you are, uh, unless you're Matt Benedetto, um. And then, what else do you got here? Uh, Shoot. You've got so much... I mean, the thing about it is uh, Jeb is a good guy. And uh, Jeb, I think I've always liked him. Um, And yes, I did do a parody of Jeb Bush's presidential campaign in 2016 because it was funny. Uh, I just please clap. will always be my favorite thing in the world. Bless bless Jeb Bush's soul. Um, Anyway, <laughs> Harrison Burton will also return to the number 20 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota with continued backing from Dex Imaging, Um, and then, as uh, we also already stated, Joe Gibbs Racing will plan to field a fourth All-Star car, so it's kind of taking from the colleague racing idea of having an All-Star car, which, by the way, we have not confirmed AJ Allmendinger
0: yet, which is kind of surprising. I feel like that might still be coming, though. Are they trying to put it together, a full-time deal, maybe? I I think he's at least going to come back, and he's going to run the, the short tracks, the road courses, and the super speedways, which I think they've already confirmed that they will run a car in those mm-hmm. uh, in those events. So we'll see.
1: Okay. Well, anything will happen. Uh in NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, thank God we could call it that again. Um, oh that felt so much better. That just rolled off the tongue. It felt natural. Oh he's
0: beaming right now, folks. Oh, he loves gosh. it.
1: Camping World Truck Series. I never have to say N Grotz again. Thank God. Um Chase Bur- Purdy will join Sheldon Creed, Zane Smith, and Tyler Ankrum at at GMS Racing uh, as a full-time driver in 2021. Essentially, he's Brett Moffat's replacement. Um, Oh, and by the way, uh, a big extension here. uh, The Las Vegas Motor Speedway will host two NASCAR Cup Series events through the 2031 season due to an extension of sponsorship from the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority, which received unanimous approval from the authority's board last week. There's very good for NASCAR racing in Las Vegas, which I know Las Vegas Motor Speedway is very popular. It is a very popular event, of uh, track and uh, race as well. It does put on some good races. I don't care what anybody says. People like to criticize Las Vegas, whatever yes, it, it puts on good races, guys. It puts it does. on very good races. Um, m- maybe not. I mean, I, I actually can think. I can think off the top of my head. I can think of a, a ton of memorable Las Vegas races from the previous configuration and the current p- configuration. I mean, no matter what they did to that track, the track is still good, you know, yeah, and I right. think it's fun to drive. A lot of drivers like to drive it. It might be a, a standard cookie cutter track that everybody says, but I think it's, it's a good one. It's definitely a good one. It, it was one that was perfect when it was made, and then it was improved a little bit, and it's just aged to the point where it's it's just good. It's net it's good. Surfaces is, is perfect. It's a sweet zone. Yeah, you exactly. So that's very good to see. Uh, Las Vegas is, is getting that. Um, oh, by the way, we've got some... News about the 2021 Bush Clash, which is going to be the first race back for the N- NASCAR, mm-hmm. uh, and again for reasons I'm still upset about, it's going to be happening on the road course instead of the oval. So will I care? We'll see. Um, NASCAR announced the eligible drivers for the 2021 Bush Clash uh, at road course. Uh, possible ways to be eligible for the 2020 Bush are, excuse me, 2021 Bush uh, Clash are Bush pole winners in 2020. Past Bush Clash winners who competed full-time in 2020. Daytona 500 champions who competed full-time in 2020. Former Daytona 500 Bush Pole winners who competed full-time in 2020. And 2020 NASCAR Cup Series playoff drivers and 2020 NASCAR Cup Series race winners and stage winners. And stage winners. Which means Ty Dillon is basically eligible.
0: Which is I mean, I think they had they had to do this because you had four poll winners. Yeah. I mean, it was really not normative. gonna be like, uh, by the way, the metric or the random draw or the reverse grid is. Also, how you get in. I like that though still, because screw it, this actually increases the car count. Well, yeah, I mean I would I would hear, again, what did I say before? I said this 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 race just needs to be comp- I mean, not completely reinvented, but this say anyone who wants to build a cup car is eligible if you can build a car pass tech and have a and have a licensed driver you know go ahead and bring over here if, if team Penske wants to bring seven cars and they want to bring their four indycar drivers over bring them over and let them race i don't care it's a 20 lap shootout let them do it
1: um there is one last piece of news and i don't have it written here uh i don't i don't have it written down here uh and I apologize to this because josh i i i know I'm sure you probably would have liked to discuss this before, but I want to talk about this here that's fine go ahead uh because what what where are we right now we're about twenty four minutes into the show, so I think we got about five minutes. I'm want to go through this about five minutes there's a podcast website, not ours podcast Twitter called talking in circles uh that really- that that tweeted this out, and apparently this was on series x m
0: nascar oh, I know where you're going with this. you
1: know where this is going Carl long. Apparently was on Sirius XM NASCAR uh, uh, on um, what, what is that Monday morning? Uh, so on Monday morning, and he was talking about the NASCAR business model for 2021. Now this is what he said: Long said that the NASCAR is eliminating all of the money allocated to open teams for 2021. It was twenty thousand dollars a race, and that's now gone. So according to Carl Long, that's about seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars a season. That a team has lost in in that kind of money. He also explained that this is the bit. This is the thing that's very concerning and also very interesting to me. Is that he Carl Long has? If you don't know this, he owns MBM Motorsports Business Management, uh, and that runs Timmy Hill and then sometimes Chad Fincham in the Cup Series. Right. But they do run Timmy Hill and Fincham, I believe, full time in
0: the Xfinity Series. Um, really Larry, yeah, uh, Timmy Hill's full in the Xfinity, and I Carl
1: Long has yeah. been running his own little small team. For years. So he's been a very small team owner. He's essentially operated on the margin for years. He's been a start and park guy. He's been an owner driver, you know, Carl long. He's been a guy. I mean, this poor guy also, uh, NASCAR uh, 2009. It was, I think he had an engine that was just like a centimeter or two, too big. And he got fined so much money and he couldn't pay it. Cause he didn't have enough money. He was operating on the margin. He couldn't pay the fine. And mm. so like he was banned from NASCAR until he could pay the fine. Right. And it got he ended up getting reinstated, but it was the most ridiculous thing. Like this is, but that's how small of a team Carl Long runs. Is that right. they make one tiny mistake, making the engine like a centimeter or two too big on total accident, not to gain any advantage, but on complete accident, and he doesn't even have the money to, to, to pay. Uh, today, but it looks like according to this, that's no longer the case. But here's what's concerning: is he also explained that he offered money to Germain Racing for their charter, but was told no, thank you. He said that a sponsor was willing to write him a check for the cost of the charter. So basically, he he had a blank check from a a sponsor to get this charter, basically. And NASCAR and Jermaine Racing said they wanted to go into a different direction.
0: Well, can I editorialize or give my thoughts? Go for it. First off, I think – I'm not going to call him a straight-up liar, but I'm questioning this because the reason that the four open spots exist So NASCAR doesn't run into antitrust issues. Yeah. And if you're not paying them and you, and they don't have an incentive to come out and race because they're not getting paid. That's that's borderline. I think antitrust issues. So I don't know if I don't think NASCAR wants to go down that route because there's, there's so much it's, it's why I can't go out and start an NFL franchise. But if I had the money, I could start a NASCAR team. Okay. Mm -hmm. It, that that's that's basically what this boils down to on that on that front. I don't think NASCAR wants to do that. I think they're opening up this whole new sector of legalities that they don't that they don't have to deal with right now. And secondly, with the with the charter deal, that's a little surprising too. Again, not calling him a liar, not calling him BS, but that 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 charter was still worth a couple million dollars. Um. Maybe he did have the money. I don't know if but a sponsor is willing to front the money. Yeah, if the sponsor, then that willing. means
1: that sponsor was basically saying, "Yes, we want to work with your team so long as we have a we're guaranteed a spot on the, the spot. grid every week." And and
0: that'd be great. And but, but which
1: makes sense. I mean, yeah. when when that isn't that if you're
0: a sponsor, you want your team in the race guaranteed. Yeah, so right. you want
1: to yeah. make sure that you don't want to have to take that risk and gamble and throw money at a team. And then they end up not even racing. And then the, at that point, you've just wasted marketing money. You've just yeah. wasted part of your marketing budget. You know what I mean? I agree. So, of uh, course, again. you want to throw money at somebody in the hopes that they can acquire a charter that would allow you to do that to guarantee that you would get maximum amount of return on your investment.
0: And now, uh, the, the, again, the, the tweet was a tweet more money. I think – oh, crap. I just – I closed out of it. Hold on. Let me look it up. I think it was. I think he did that say That Jermaine well. Charter was bought by Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So again, I'm not thinking he had a higher offer.
1: You know what? Let's be honest here. I don't, I don't, let me see here.
0: I, I, says, I don't I, – I'm not
1: sure I I'm, I'm buying that. Yes, he said he did say he explained he offered more money to Jermaine Racing now and the key, that key, if when you make that point that's actually interesting because he's probably the NASCAR and Jermaine were probably right to say no in that case because if they had an offer from Michael Jordan even it was for even if it was for less who do you think is going to have more who do you, yeah who's going to have more success who's going to bring more publicity who's going to bring more notoriety yeah. Bubba Wallace sitting on Michael Jordan starting a team correct Carl Long getting a charter is not. Now, am I saying if there's – let's say another charter comes along. And, Carl and- Long probably is going to get that charter, right? If Rick Ware goes out and sells a charter, it, which probably won't happen, but let's say hypothetically he ends up doing that, I, th- I totally think that they would let Carl Long take it. Yeah. But I think in that situation, they were just – it wasn't a matter of – it wasn't a bidding war. It wasn't necessarily a bidding war. It was like, dude,
0: no, we're going to go with the better client. You know what yeah, I mean? And, and, and there's nothing wrong with that because at the end of the day, yes, NASCAR is entertainment. Yes, it's a free market, but it's also a business. It's a business yeah. first and foremost. It's, it's, it's a yeah. sport and a business. That's yeah. the number one
1: thing that I think I've always taken away from auto racing is that it's this, it's a business first and a sport second. Correct. So that's, that's really what I'm going to go with. So just that's interesting to talk about. Uh we just hit 30 minutes. Perfect. So we did only take five minutes to talk about that. Josh, we could go on to yeah, the
0: week. We so this is a very fun segment for us every week. We enjoy doing it, but this one is a little more special because we're going to choose the top 10 NASCAR paint schemes of 2020. Now I told him uh I didn't do this, but he could have chose ARCA paint schemes if he wanted to. Uh and of course, obviously the truck series, the Xfinity series, and cup series. Um Our top 10 paint schemes. We're just going to, Rob's going to go first here. He's going to go through his 10, kind of give a brief thing, if he editorialize just a little bit and just give why he chose these 10 paint schemes. Uh, And I looked through it just now. I think we only have one that is the same, which is pretty cool.
1: We do have only one that is the same, I believe. And I tried to keep it to that because I wanted to rank my favorites. And I figured if there was any overlap, that was fine. Yeah. Um, but I also wanted to give you the ones that you liked. Uh, and I think we only had one end that ended up overlapping. I think I all of these that I liked, I liked for one reason. And then all of those that you liked were for another reason. But anyway, so I'm going to go from start number 10, go all the way to number one. Number 10 is the one that I liked a lot, but didn't like the most. You know what I mean? So it's just yeah. 10 being the least most liked, if that makes any sense to anybody. And the one being the my favorite. Um, so number 10 is going to be Daniel Hamrick's number eight South point Chevrolet for junior motorsports. I love a South point car. It is a very simple black and yellow and little bit of a red highlight on that. Brendan Gaughan always has had the best paint schemes ever. The best thing Brendan Gaughan probably has ever done for NASCAR outside of racing in it and being a lovable, awesome ambassador for the sport, uh, is coming along with, uh, sponsoring cars set with his family's uh, casino South Point, and making simply the best paint schemes ever. They are simple, but they are beautiful, and they are the tri- cars that. And in fact, in, in NASCAR Heat Five, if you, know, you play it, they like you could select in the like uh, the create a car mode, you could select a sponsor sponsors South Point, and I always make my primary car be a South Point sponsored car every time. Has to be, has to be South Point, uh, because that's just simply the best looking car. Um, second, number nine coming in at number nine is Tyler Reddick's. Number eight, Cat Reynolds Chevrolet for Richard childrens Racing that he ran at Richmond. This is a car that I absolutely love because it gave me a little slight throwback to a Ward-Burton car of the same era. Uh, I believe Scott Wimmer drove the same kind of thing in a Bill Davis car. It was almost like a throwback. It wasn't a throwback. It had its own little uh, spin to it, but it, almost, it had the same number. It, excuse me, not numbers. It had the same colors. It was right. the exact same colors as that. Bill Davis car had all those years ago it's just a beautiful car and I I remember they didn't show it very much on the Richmond broadcast but every time I saw it go by I was like oh that's such a beautiful car let me see it let me see it I'm and, and speaking of NASCAR heat 5 I'm waiting for it to get on there so if if Elliot Henderson is listening to this uh I don't know if he is maybe he is shout out to Elliot um please please make that car please like I'm I'm asking in the in the November DLC, I really want that car in there. Please. Please. I will pay for I'll pay all thirteen dollars. I don't care. I will do it. Um uh, okay. Moving on to number eight. Ryan Priest's number thirty seven tide power pod Chevrolet for JTG Doherty Racing that he ran at the first race back at Darlington. I love the tide ride, period. Every time and, and this car only seems to come around like once a year. It runs maybe one or two races every year. But gosh darn it if I don't love it. Uh it, it's it's just I love seeing Tide cars. Tide cars should always be out there on the track. Here, here, so, Big fan of it. All right, uh, moving on to number seven. And this one, actually, we just saw. We just saw. We're, it's, it's very what? recent. It was just on the track at Phoenix. Uh, and I love it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, Daniel Suarez is number 96, Peacock Toyota for Gaunt Brothers Racing. Now, let me tell you. I, let me explain this for you, first of all. Peacock's kind of cool. I didn't think it was going to be a big deal, but I tried it out. Am I upset that they moved most of the Premier League games to it? Yes, I am. Am I upset they don't have a Fire TV app yet? Yes, I am. Do I like the interface and do I like what it offers? Yes, more like. They just launched today a channel. It's twenty four seven Saved by the Bell, which if you hate Zach Morris like me, Zach Morris is trash. Seriously, look that up on YouTube. But anyway, first of all, uh, that's great because I like I like Saved by the Bell. But anyway, I hate Zach Morris, but I like the show. Um, but uh, this car was is so simple. It's a it's black. But it the, the, the way that it – it's just flat black, but the way that they do it is they really – the Peacock logo is like all the shades of the NBC Peacock, right? But it's Correct. in little circles next to each other. So you have the little circles underneath the 96, and then the, the, the little circles are just kind of like stylized everywhere on the car. And I just really like that. I really, really like that. It's a very appealing get- car. And, and I will say when doing research for this, I want to say this. I have two Daniel Suarez cars on here. I almost put three. I almost put three. I almost put three Daniel Suarez cards. For a guy who finished 30th almost every race, he had some of the best paint schemes every single race. I agree. I, mean, I just
0: I chose this sk- paint scheme myself because I loved it.
1: Daniel Suarez, like, whoever's designing cars for Gaunt Brothers Racing this year knocked it out of the park this year. I mean, just absolutely knocked it out of the park. I love it. You, you have one on here that I almost put on here, but then there was another one, the ComSource. The ComSource one, I think it's called. Um the it was like the black and it had like uh multicolored like triangles on it or something. It gave me like a Windows XP vibe or something, or yeah. like a Windows 7 vibe, excuse me. It was really, really cool. I loved it. Uh, I liked that one. They just had great ones. Um moving on to number six is going to and this one got me thinking about Brendan Gone again. So anything that gets me thinking about Brendan Gone gets an automatic pass in my hand. Uh Derek Krauss is number 19, Napa throwback Toyota tundra tundra for bill McAnally racing that he ran at darlington in the truck series in general i it, it was very hard for me because i knew i was going to pick a a, a Derek kraus um a Derek kraus panky but i i settled on this one because it obviously reminded me of brendan gone it was a great throwback um and i don't think we talked about it i don't think i talked about it maybe i did during throwback weekend i can't remember but i think one um, of us
0: mentioned it is you know, one it was of us is a me, throwback to ron hornaday
1: but it got me thinking it about you,
0: yes, it it gives you it uh, thinking about Brandon gone. Gaughan.
1: I didn't yeah. think about Ron Hornaday. Because when I think about Ron Hornaday, I think about I don't think about him driving a Napa truck. I think of him driving a, a flat red Papa John's truck. You know what I mean? That's, fair. It, that's just me. That's fair. Um so but when I think of like a Napa car or a Napa truck, I think of Brandon Gone. Or in some cases, yeah, mostly Brendan gone, actually. Mostly Brandon gone. Um, but anyway so that's why I picked that uh moving on to number five coming in at number five uh Kyle bush is number 54 twix Toyota Supra this car made me want a twix like every lap I saw this thing I'm so disappointed it didn't win because I think if it did I was gonna go out and buy like 15 twix bars or something this 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 car is the perfect thing because it just makes me want a twix I want to eat a twix while I'm watching this car go around the circle and it's a beautiful car it's it's like it's it's just kind of like Gold brown on the side, it's got this blue uh hood, it's just really pretty. It's just it's one of the nice cars. Kyle Bush had some really, really good Xfinity rides this year. I almost went with his M&M's car from Darlington uh because it reminded me of his cup car. And I really like uh the idea of you know, I think this was something that was more common back in the day, maybe somewhere in the truck series, but like having those cup paint schemes transfer over onto those different cars. So yeah. I really liked that, it gave me that vibe, but I loved this Twix car because it just, it I think it was more unique than his Cup car uh, scheme, his m M&M scheme. I felt it was more unique and I felt like it was, it just felt better it to me. I liked it a lot more. Um, coming in at number four, this might be, con- I don't use this service personally and I don't think very highly of it, but gosh darn it if they didn't make the one of the best paint schemes all season is Ryan Vargas, his number six TikTok Chevrolet for JD Motorsports. This seriously was one of the best paint schemes in the Xfinity series saw. I mean, Great. I love this. <laughs> I love it. I, don't, I hate TikTok. I, 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 I'm I too old for TikTok. I'm 25. Uh, and maybe some people think, oh, no, you're not too old for that. No, I you're am. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, can't, I can't get behind it. I mean, I mean, right. my girlfriend had it for a little bit, and even she thought it was dumb. And she's like a few years younger than me. So, I mean, <laughs> she thought it was dumb. Um, so I'll be honest with you. I I I don't like it either. But uh, the paint scheme was great. The paint scheme was great. Uh, and I think Ryan Vargas finished, like, top 10 or something in it.
0: He so. got, a, like, his first career top 10 finish. Yeah, so even better. Even better for that, right?
1: Uh, mm-hmm. Moving on into the top three now. Um, and the top three are going to pretty much be guys that – paint schemes that I, I, I chose, like, way before I even did research into this. Like, I'd already had these three picked out before I even thought about it. Uh, Bubba Wallace is number 43, Coke Energy Chevrolet for RPM for Rich Petty Motorsports. I am a big Coke Energy drinker because I prefer it to the standard energy drink. Uh, It is Coke. It tastes – the guarana flavor is very appealing me because I'm a big fan of – if you've ever had uh, a drink called Ball's guarana, it's like a guarana-flavored soda, uh, and it's really good. And Coke Energy is great because it tastes like Coke, but they have that guarana flavoring in it. So it tastes like it, – it. It I just really like the taste. and. Um, there's a lot less crud in it than like a, you know, a monster or something. It's literally just Coke. It's just the sta- standard ingredients of Coke, a little bit more caffeine and some guarana. That's pretty much it. So I love Coke Energy, but their paint schemes this year are I, 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 uh, were outstanding. So Bubba Wallace had this one one and I love the can. Now it has like this, uh, reverb, reverb effect. You know what I mean? Like these waves going through it and they, it transfers really well onto the car and it makes it look really nice on the car. Speaking it of it, speaking of, I'm still waiting for this obviously to come to NASCAR heat five. So I really like to see that too. This is one of my, one of my favorite cars. Um, but I really love that. That was a great car for uh RPM. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, I think he ran it at Las Vegas in the second race of the season. Um, it's a really good car. Uh, moving on to number two is, and this is going to, it sounds like cheating cause it's another throwback, but, Daniel Suarez is number 96 RS throwback for Toy- Toyota for Gaunt Brothers Racing. Let me just tell you something. Again, Daniel Suarez is great. I don't know why RS only came back for one race this year, but I would have loved to see what they would have done if they were just a primary and didn't try and do a throwback. But doesn't matter. I love this one because it was one of my favorite paint schemes when he was driving for Joe Gibbs. Uh, the RS car was one of my favorite cars that he ran, even when he went re- uh, 2019 when he was with Stuart Haas. Um... I just really love that RS. The, the orange is just really appealing to me. I love it. I love the flat orange. I love the way they did it. It looked very appealing. Even even the red numbers look good. Like, I normally, I think a lot of people say, oh, I don't like the red numbers. I don't like the red numbers a lot much. No, I like the red numbers. I don't care what anybody says. I think they look great on the car. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. I like that car. I like that orange. Um, I hope that uh, Daniel Suarez next year runs more sponsorship from RS because I just love seeing that orange RS car. Um, it's, it's just a beautiful-looking car. And finally, number one is the car that I actually bought a die-cast of. Uh, Bubba Wallace is number 43, Black Lives Matter Chevrolet, which I had to put at number one because it was the most impactful, I think, scheme of the season. It's going to be the paint scheme that I think a lot of people are going to remember for years to come. Um, I think it was one of the most influential and important paint schemes that existed, especially oh, throughout the summer. Uh, it was poignant when it ran. It's poignant now. Uh, and it's, it's black, it's, it's a flat black paint scheme, but it incorporate. but there's little details on every piece of it that just make me appreciate it even more. Like when this was made, detail and care went into it. It was not meant to be flashy. It was not meant to be, you know, pretty. It was meant to make its, make its point heard, you know, respect one another, respect your fellow man. Love one another and go race it and enjoy it. You know, don't, don't, don't hate your other guy. Don't hate your fellow race fan because of one reason or another. Don't hate them because of whatever reason. Love them. They're race fans. We need to love each other. We need to accept each other. We need to embrace each other. We need to embrace our different opinions. We need to accept them. We need to celebrate them. You know what I mean? It was an impactful scheme. It's simplicity makes it all that more beautiful, in my opinion. Um, and I'm not saying that because I'm some woke leftist or whatever. I don't want people to think that. I I, I am genuinely saying this because I feel personally that it was the most impactful scheme of the year. And in, and that is something that does not happen very often in racing. You do not see a scheme, a paint scheme or a livery or anything that is impactful. And I think we've seen that this year with especially this paint scheme, where it makes you think. It's like a work of art. And I think all of us have always, all race fans have always considered paint schemes to be works of art. This is a work of art. And a lot of times, works of art are controversial. They are controversial. They're supposed to be. They're supposed to get you thinking. They're supposed to make you question things. And that's what this did. That's what this paint scheme did. And that's why it's number one for me. So I know it was a long explanation. I know I took a long time. But Josh, what are your top 10 paint schemes for this year?
0: All right. Well, I mean, all yours, great selections. Um, I really can't say I disagree with any of yours at all. Um, But mine were my number 10 uh, is Todd Gilliland's uh, Frontline Ford F-150. They drove uh, in a a few races this year for Front Row Motorsports. Um, Definitely a different take on the Frontline sponsorship than he had in the past. I love the grays that it works with, and I love the red number. As Mm -hmm. well, it it just, it's a hard to see truck with a hard to see number. And I, I I can respect that. Uh, So that's why I chose that. Uh, Number nine is Chase Elliott's uh, number nine, Kelly blue book Chevrolet for Hendrick. Uh, Definitely the best Kelly blue book scheme he's had. I've never disliked any of them. I know a lot of people are harsh on Chase Elliott paint schemes. Like it is, they are very critical of what he drives, which is kind of a shame because I think he's, I don't, I don't even think any of them have ever been bad, but this Look, one... the I, only
1: thing I've ever said about a Chase Elliott pen scheme is that I'd like the Napa cars to be flat blue. That's all I want. That's all I've ever wanted. That's the only criticism I'll ever give to a Chase Elliott scheme is I just want a flat blue Napa. Everything else is fine. I don't get where the criticism comes from. That's all my only criticism is I liked it when he ran a flat blue Napa scheme. Sorry. <laughs> Continue. I'm sorry.
0: I think I'm the only person in America who likes his current paint scheme. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I really am. I really am. I really liked it. Uh, But that's what, you know, but this one is definitely the best of the Kelly blue books. That's why I chose it. Number eight, Rob makes, he's going to make me sound like an idiot for picking this one. Number eight, but it's black lives Lives matter car, but I can't add anything to what he's already said. I, I won't go on repeat because he said it just so perfectly. It definitely is the most impactful paint scheme. I've probably ever seen on a race car. And let's be honest. I don't think too many people could, could, could find one that was even more impactful. You could probably go back to maybe you have to go back all the way to 2001. Yeah. nine eleven. I don't think
1: we've seen uh, as impactful paint schemes as since probably nine eleven, Cause at that point, you know, a lot of the you're never going to get anything more impactful than, a just an American flag on Ken Schrader's car. Exactly. You know what yes, I mean? Exactly like stripped of, Everything but its number is just an American flag. You're not going to get anything more impactful than that.
0: Yeah. But I think this was pretty close. Yeah, very close. It, they're both if they're not, they're one and two, but they're like one A, one B, and we're going to interchange one A and one B every day. Uh, so number seven, Ryan Newman's uh, Cook Industries Ford. Thank goodness, uh, you know, obviously this is race Racing Daytona, but it was a, it's a good looking car. I love the color scheme and the mix on it. Um, I, I especially like how the, it's a black number on the side and a blue number on the top. It just looks good. Uh, in the color, again, the color combination is great. Uh, number six for me, Greg Biffle's truck. He ran at Darlington raceway, the Ricky Hendrick throwback to 2001 with GMS kind of putting a, it's GMS racing sponsored truck, but they put it in the GMAC font. I mean, talk about your home in a run. It just, <laughs> I, I, I love this truck so much. I want to get a die cast of it one of these days. Um, I'm hoping that it, if it hasn't already, it comes out in a 164th and I'm going to scoop that thing up. Number five, Daniel Suarez's Coca-Cola Toyota for Gaunt Brothers Racing. This is just the regular Coca-Cola scheme he ran. First off, the number 96 just pops on this car. I'm looking at it right now. I have all actually all my paint schemes. I'm scrolling through it on my phone. It's red. It's got the Coca-Cola swoosh through it or whatever they're calling that. And it's got the, and it just pops And like, it's such a shame. Coca-Cola doesn't make die cast cars because this one would be a very, very, very easy top seller in, and I'm not, I don't feel like I'm going on a limb on that one. Um, number five or, uh, excuse me. Number four, Martin Truex is number 19 Bass Pro Shops, Toyota with the white number. Now, he originally was running a black number this year on the side of the car. It looked good, but they changed it to white when it came playoff time. And it just looks 10,000 times better. All uh, right. So that change, whoever made that decision to change the car late in the season, I think it was uh it was, fantastic job. Uh, I look the car with the black number looked better than in the car last year, but this one just looks a whole, whole lot better. um, yeah, I'll have another Bass Pro Shops car sponsored here in a second. Number three, AJ Allmendinger's number 16, Nutrient Act Solution, Chevrolet for Collie He ran just a few weeks ago at Martinsville. Um, I love the all green look. And, you know, I've said it before. You have a green car. I know it's not the the, the maybe the most stitious thing to drive. In, yeah, it's the-
1: very much considered to be bad luck to drive a green, green car, though you might want to tell Bobby Labonte
0: that. Yeah, exactly. Might want to tell Bobby the Buy that, and he did. He he might have had some twenty bad years
1: ago. Great. You might want to tell him that twenty years ago.
0: Yeah, but I like it. I like the all green look. Uh, I've also, you know, I think last year I, ch- I picked Ross Chastain's Nutrient Ag Solutions car. I do like their cars in general, but the and but this one again just great. Uh, number two, Noah Gragson's number nine Bass Pro Shops Black Rifle Coffee Chevrolet for Junior Motorsports. He drove a. I uh, forget the uh, later in the year, there's another sponsorship, black rifle coffee on the side, but I just like the black rifle coffee in the bass pro shops mix a little bit better than the other one. And I'm sorry, I'm forgetting what it is, but I like this car, the orange numbers, the grays on the side, just a good take on the bass pro shops car that we maybe haven't seen in a few years, if not ever. So I think there was a good, good move by everyone who designed this car and the decisions that went into it. And plus with the, uh, you know, there's the woodland on the hood, It just looks good. Just a solid looking car. And number one, um, you know, you talk about impactful. This is a great way to honor a a legend. Um, William Byron's 24 exalta Kobe Bryant tribute scheme. Um, this was cool. I mean, I remember sitting in my apartment down in Charlotte and, and, uh, I, uh, I'm, uh, by the way, I'm visiting in Indiana as we record this. That's why I said back down in Charlotte. But well, I was down in Charlotte, and I'm like, "Is this real? Is this really happening?" Uh, I, 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 I couldn't believe what I was reading on my phone. Um, and immediately, I went to if, if, if Exalta and Hendrick. I mean, it's, it's, a, it. Some could say it's a publicity stunt, but it's a great way to honor a legend. We see it in every sport, all walks of life. You find ways to honor people. When you have connections in here, you have the 24 connection, you're in and out of Club Speedway, uh, you know, Los Angeles metropolitan area, uh, you got to do it. in Exalta, their paint company, come on, uh, you know, great, great move. It was a great looking car. Um, and I liked in a way that they didn't go with, you know, a regular flame scheme, they changed up the base, uh, and the template of it. So, really good there. I really like the car. Um, it just, it's a shame that the die cast sometimes didn't turn out as good as the car that was actually raced on the track. Uh, just look that up on the internet and I'm sure you can find the complaints on that one side. Uh, but yeah, that was our massive feature paint scheme segment here. I think we have 19 great schemes on, on that we had today. Uh, awesome. I love this. I love this segment every week, but this one is just special because we get a really Share what we think. Rob, uh, why don't you tell everyone who this week's winners were and a couple champions that were crowned? Yeah, we had a
1: great... We actually had some pretty good racing this weekend. There was racing on this weekend. Um, You know, just because the NASCAR season's over doesn't mean the whole season's over. Uh, Super Formula was in Autopolis. Tomoki Nojiri was the victor of that race. It was actually a fairly good race uh, overall in Super Formula. Super Formula having some really good races this season. Again, you can watch the full season uh on motorsport.tv for free. I think if you create an account, I think you can I'm pretty sure you should be able to view all of those live and on demand. So uh that was a good for- super formula race this year. I think they still have a couple of races left to go. Um I think they're going back to Suzuka, I think are they? And then maybe Fuji, I think, in a couple of weeks. I can't remember, but um and anyway Formula One went back to Istanbul. Finally, now it's Istanbul, now Constantinople, and we got this guy, Lewis Hamilton. He's the champion because he's got seven. And now I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that
0: anymore. That was actually solid. That was good. Did you just make that up up on the spot? Yeah, I made it up on the spot. I was watching
1: Whose Line Is It Anyway earlier today, so maybe that inspired me to just
0: try some improv.
1: Drew Carey in general is funny. I love him. Um, You know what else is great?
0: The Drew Carey show. I've By never like, seen a Drew Carey show, but whose line is it anyway? No I could go to sleep watching highlights and just funny that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But
1: I mean, if you like, if you like whose line is it anyway? I think you'd really like Drew Carey show, too. That's a really good one. It's 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 a sitcom. Is it so funny? It has the best intros of all time. Also has the best intros of all time. I mean, just look them up. Cleveland rocks. Five o'clock world. Moon over Parma. To like the three songs that they sing for the intro, all three of them are great, and they have like choreographs, the choreographed dances, and like all of them' is great, anyway, so yeah, Lewis Hamilton did secure his seventh world championship, solidifying him as certainly one of the sports greats uh beside Michael Schumacher, who's the only other driver who have seven world championships, but Lewis Hamilton now has more wins um and he said after the race he said he was he felt like he was just getting started, so good luck, everybody else, and that doesn't sound I'm sitting here. This is gonna sound awful. This is gonna sound awful. But I was sitting there the whole time. I'm watching this. I'm like, what if Lewis just announces he's retiring on the podium ceremony? Like, pulls up Rosberg and it's like, hey boys, guys, guys, I'm retiring. No, he's like he goes up there and he completely dashes that by saying, Honestly, I feel like I'm just getting started. And I'm like, Well, crap, when's he gonna win another eight? He's gonna win another 17 titles? Potentially. Seven titles. Scary. Another seven titles, excuse me. Um, boy. Uh and then if you so, and then we had the 12 hours of Sebring this week, the finale for the IMSA season. Uh, Mazda Motorsports with Jonathan Barbarino, Ryan Hunter Ray, and Harry Ticknell were the victors in the 12 hours of Sebring, but we crowned champions in DPI. Team Penske uh, went out on a high note, and yep. so did Elio Castroneves. Uh, Elio Castroneves wins his first uh, championship. In major auto racing, sadly, unfortunately, which is crazy to say, he's never won an IndyCar championship. He's come close many yeah. times, um, very many times, uh, but he's finally got an he's got an IMSA title now, so that's good for him. In LMP2, um, PR1, Matthias and Motorsports and Patrick Kelly win that championship in GTLM Corvette racing takes the championship with Antonio Garcia and Jordan Taylor. And then in GTD, Meyer Shank racing with Mario Fonbacher and Matt McMurray win that championship. So great 12 hours of Sebring. It was, it was enjoyable. I, I tuned into it here and there. Uh, I didn't get to catch all of it, but I did, uh, tune into it here and there. It was very good. Um, it was a very enjoyable race, uh, overall from what I saw. So, uh, great, uh, 12 hours of Sebring. We're not going to talk about that mostly. We're mainly going to talk about Formula One because this formula 1 race was wild to say very, the least very very uh so Josh I'm going to go ahead and lead off cuz uh, I watched this live I don't I doubt you watched this live I'm crazy in that I stayed up uh to watch the super formula race and then I just decided to stay up until 5 because forget just why not
0: yeah I was at work until midnight and I had work the next day, so I said, "You know what? I'm not going to get to sleep until two anyway. So I'll watch this race on replay later."
1: Yeah, I, so yeah, I, I mean, don't- I don't blame you for that, but I was, I was, I couldn't, I, I couldn't sleep even if I wanted to. I was so nervous for this race. I was so, excited. I was like, "What is going to happen?" Lance Stroll is on the pole. Yes, I need to know what's going to happen in this race. I cannot wake up ne- the next morning. And be like, oh, that's what happened. No, I need to see for myself what's going to happen. And I, so I, I just pulled an all nighter. It's okay. We've all and been then there. Woke up. I woke up like at three, uh, just in time for like three p.m. Just in time for the Seahawks game. So it all worked out. Um, Pointing. Oh, don't get me started. Don't get me started. We're okay. Wait, so let's an talk egg. about turkey, then. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We'll like, talk about I, a different type of bird. I got. I got. We got to play the freaking. We got. We got to play the Cardinals again on Thursday, and it's like I, I don't even think we're going to win that. I don't even think. Well, do you see what DeAndre Hopkins did this weekend? Holy cow! I'm sorry, this is not a football podcast, but ah. So anyway, this surface here in Turkey was basically an ice rink. I mean they the, the, I remember I stayed up late because like free practice one because keep in mind, I don't go to bed until, like four in the morning right um so I, I I stay up to watch free practice one and I'm like they are they could barely get on the throttle like they're th- showing onboard so they're taking turn eight I'm sitting here expecting turn eight to be flat out the whole mm-hmm. time. Right. Mm-hmm. Where everybody's expecting like super fast turn eight, everybody beforehand's like, Oh man, how are the driver's necks going to handle the G loading and turn eight and all this stuff. People are concerned about that. Like that's, they're legitimately concerned about whether or not the driver's necks are going to make it through the G loading. Right. And so, uh, but that's not even a problem because the track is ice. Um, and then to make matters worse, it starts raining. So now it's like ice that's wet. Yeah. Good luck. Um, and, and this is and this is another thing that still blows my mind. I do not know how. This, this whole surface was just bizarre to me because you had everybody start on wet tires. The wet tires wore and just became like the treads just wore down so quickly. Like it was like 10, maybe 11 laps. It wasn't that even wet that tires, for some of them. It wasn't even yeah. that. So, that they were wearing, because this is the weird part about what the track was. The track was like, it was wet, but it was still, but it was kind of dry. It was like kind of wet, it was kind of dry. There was standing water in some places, there was standing water in other places, and then throughout the course of the race, you have a dry line that, that exists, but it's still raining in different parts of the track, so certain parts of the track are wet and other parts of the track are dry. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you're like, "Well, what do, what do you do? What kind of what, what are you going to do at that point?" So everybody's out there, and basically everybody, everybody's out there driving on intermediate tires that at this point would not pass a safety test. No, right? you would not be able to pass to say the treads have completely worn down in these things. Um, and 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 then. We're 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 throwing. This is here's the, this is the thing. So not only that. So this is so that's all happening background. So the race starts and you get uh, Ocon and Bottas spinning into the first turn, and this pretty much sets the tone for how Valtteri Bottas's day is
0: gonna go. Oh gosh, I mean every every fifteen minutes it seemed like he's like, and Bottas looks like he's spun again. Like oh, gosh, he's I championship I, away is what he did. I lost count after he had four spins, but I think I heard someone say he ended the day with six. Well, that's horrible. Uh, yeah, if you heard the radio transmission. You have four laps, Valtteri. Uh, that's way too many. I wish it was over now.
1: <laughs> yeah, you I mean,
0: left, and he's wishing he had
1: fewer. Poor guy got lapped by Hamilton at that point. At that point, he's probably thinking, "Please tell me this race is over. Please tell me this race is over. Yeah. Just, just, just end it. Just let me end, just, just end this madness. This is a nightmare." Um, and, and, uh, and, and so anyway, but Lance Stroll gets out to this massive, ridiculous lead. And, and at that point he has the, he's like a 14, 15 second lead over third place yeah, right at going, that point. He has on rails, man. And I found out later, this is what ended up happening to him. I guess racing point, uh, released a, a statement later after the race, like maybe a day or two after the race that, um, Stroll, I guess. He either ran over something, or he hit a curb the wrong way, or something. But it damaged a little part of the underside of his front wing. And a little part of the underside of his front wing got damaged. Just a yeah. little bit. Like, just the littlest, tiniest bit.
0: And that affected his performance so much.
1: Yes. it it The, the speed of the car went from race winning to barely in the points.
0: It was... It would. It was, it was the worst luck anyone could have had.
1: Oh, God. I just – Lance Stroll – this is the thing. He needed a are, good run today. Right, people, to people are going to sit around for the rest of, of time probably and say, Lance Stroll is not a good driver. And everybody with a brain is going to look at him and be like, Lance Stroll has the luck of maybe someone with 16 black cats and 11 broken windows. You know, this poor guy – uh, this this guy cannot catch a break. This guy cannot catch a break. <laughs> I swear. I feel so bad for this guy sometimes. I mean, this guy, he, I mean, look, you should have had a
0: double racing point podium.
1: Right, exactly. Double race,
0: it should have had
1: his first win.
0: It, uh, it should have been a double racing point podium with a Red Bull, all right? That's how this race should have, sh- you know, shook out. Yeah, pretty much because Absolutely. i mean i think let me yeah, hamilton would be fast forwarding a crap ton here but hamilton's called not to pit what's the right call he's like no i'm not going to oh, do oh yeah
1: that.
0: i mean no but he,
1: i think i think we're looking at a situation for one
0: we're thinking looking at it, i think
1: we're looking sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but i think i think at that point you're looking at a situation where if stroll doesn't get that damage and he doesn't fall off the pace i don't think hamilton has catches him because prior to that, he still had it like a 10 second lead over Hamilton. Correct. Hamilton was catching Perez. They would have pitted Perez before they would have pitted Stroll.
0: I I mean, I think uh, Stroll had more speed than Hamilton. Mm -hmm. He did. Uh, And yeah, I, I think if Stroll didn't pick, see the problem was that when
1: he picked up that damage, that just little tiny, like it might've had to have been like maybe a tiny little dent or a tiny little tear or something in, in, in the, in the front wing. Uh, but what it did is it, it literally just made that front wing start to the turbulence behind the front wing just shred the tire, shred yeah. his tire to the point where he had. I mean, he was already racing on a track surface that had no grip. Now his tires have no grip. Yeah. So he's the fact that he did not crash should show people that Landstroll is legitimately a good driver because yeah. they were because I don't think. Anybody could have gone on tires that were wearing faster than every other set of tires and on a track with no grip and stayed in the points for that for that long. He did finish in the points, So he's I mean, as unfortunate as it it is for Stroll that he didn't win the race, he still finished in the points when he very well probably shouldn't have.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, What about let's talk about Hamilton now. I mean, we've we said it two or three times already this season. We've witnessed history. We've witnessed something that people didn't yeah. think could be done. Uh you know, I wrote down a couple thing things here. Well, let me say this. First is emotions. I don't think I've ever seen Hamilton get that emotional. It 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 it's now real. This is real. It's felt like, you know, past few weeks, man, this is this is Hamilton's championship to lose, but it's not official. Now that's official. He wins the race. He scores more than eight point uh, it's then uh than Valtteri and it's hitting him from the second he crossed the line and then I've never seen him get be so slow getting out of the car he, he's always like and I'm um, up awesome celebration he took his time and uh I think there's also cool Vettel I mean, I I wouldn't, I would expect nothing less from Vettel, but I think, you know, he, he didn't go like congratulations, man, and walk away. He Mm -hmm. said some words there. That was cool. And then Toto Wolf. he's been a while since he'd been, he's been on the podium celebration. And this Mm -hmm. is certainly he, I don't think there's anyone else that would have rather had up there. If I'm Lewis Hamilton total than total. No, I
1: wouldn't have wanted anyone else. Um,
0: so that was that, that was good to see that. But I wrote down some things here. You know, he's now got seven championships. So some people who have s- seven or more championships in racing, however you want to say it, and I know there's probably more than this, Rob, you could probably list off a couple more yourself. But like Steve Kinzer, 20 World of Outlaws championships, John Force has 16 Anteriority championships, Frank Kimmel has 10 ARCA championships, different ARCA series back in the day. Uh Donnie Schatz has 10 World of Outlaws championships, AJ Foyt seven championships uh in IndyCar, Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, Jimmy Johnson seven championships in the Cup series and then obviously Michael Schumacher seven championships. I mean, they those when are you sp- get to 7. It's it's it's, it's just,
1: significant. Yeah, it's because special. it feels like it almost feels like it's common. <laughs> this sounds so awful. It almost feels like it's okay, you got 3 championships. You're a pretty good driver. You need to get 4 more before you're the greatest. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you look at somebody like Alonzo, and you're like, "Yeah, he got two championships." You're, yeah, most people consider you to be pretty good, but Lewis has got seven. So you're just, yeah, come on,
0: dude. And I don't um, buy that he has the best car argument. The best no. drivers are going to wind up in the best cars.
1: No, and 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 I said this on Twitter, and I'll paraphrase a lot of it. Uh, but yeah, you I had could a explain great Twitter feed there. I could, and and I expanded on it even further afterwards. I don't know if you read that much, but I did. Basically, it, it comes down to uh, people could say, people are going to say what they're going to say. But, dude, mo- Hamilton and Schumacher having the best car does not negate them being great at what they do. You have to have the best car and be good at what you do in order to yeah. be successful. You yeah. know, you can't just have the best car and, like, look at how many drivers out there were, like, had what some people could say, the best car and did almost nothing with it. There's there's tons of F1 drivers out there that, that have been in that situation. You know, look at look at Michael Andretti. Michael Andretti went into what could people could say the best car is a McLaren, maybe not in 1993, but one of the best cars, and he did almost nothing. Granted, he was teammates with Ayrton Senna. Granted, he was thrown in by and baptized by fire. Granted, he had almost none of the experience anybody else did. But the point is, car does not fix driver problems. Mm-hmm. Driver fr- driver fixes driver problems. So you're looking at a situation here where Hamilton simply has done, and I I explained how much more difficult it has been for Hamilton with teammates than it was for Schumacher. Because Schumacher never had to deal with Fernando Alonso as his teammate. Schumacher was always a clear number one every single time. Hamilton walked in in 2007 as a rookie as a clear number two to... Back to back world champion Fernando Alonso, who had just come over to McLaren, and McLaren was like, All right, we've got a super team now. Then, next thing you know, it's like, Oh, we got big time problems. We've got big time problems. You know, we've got two guys that are way too good for this, and we don't have a clear number one driver.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, wait, it's Lewis now. (laughs) Bye bye, Fred. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Bye bye, Fred. You know, it's Hamilton had to fight and claw his way. I mean, Hamilton literally had to fight and claw his way up through um, Schumacher, and, and Hamilton had to fight and claw his way through the Vettel dominance years, and here's that thing, that thing I also mentioned, Schumacher, 2005, won one race, do you want to know what one race that was? The US Grand Prix, do you know who he had to beat? Rubens Barrichello and Tiago Matero and two, and, and Narain Carthia Kane and two minorities, That was the only time he could win in 2005. The only time. Do you know when Lewis Hamilton did not have the best car, he has still managed to win every single season of his F1 career.
0: Yep.
1: He has still managed to find a way to win even when he was not in the best car.
0: 2013. Even
1: when he he should not have. 2013, exactly. Uh, Also, by the way, Nico Rosberg is the only driver, to my knowledge, who has ever been teammates with both Schumacher and Hamilton and have bested them twice. Rosberg yeah. outqualified uh Schumacher in 2012 and won at the Chinese Grand Prix whereas Schumacher never won a race in 2012. In fact, he did not win a race uh in his in his comeback at all between 2010 and 2012, but then you could say he had peaked and he had been out of an F1 car since 2006 and it's unfair to whatever. Yeah. Rosberg still went back in 2016 and beat Hamilton on merit and it was a tough championship for Rosberg to win. It was like not like last lap. right. He, it was not like he was handed that victory. It was not like uh Mercedes like gave any team orders and said, No, we want Lewis to win this championship. No, Rosberg went out there, took that championship for by himself, outdrove Hamilton when it mattered, and won that championship. Never was Michael Schumacher in a in a position when he was at Ferrari. To have that happen to him. He was always going to be the champion, no matter what. There was never going to be a time where Rubens Barrichello was going to be the champion. There was never going to be a time where they were ever going to let Felipe Massa be the champion. It was just not going to happen. You know? Like, it was just not going to happen. And um, that, to me, solidifies Hamilton as, in my opinion, being one of the greats. And being, if not, the great. Uh, and I know there's a lot of Schumacher fans who are going to disagree with me on that. I am not saying Schumacher is... Any less of a driver he is, he is still the bet one of the best driver, Formula One drivers of all time. But Lewis Hamilton was just better. It's just better, and 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 I I, I think I could put it. And and the thing about it too is that it's not like these guys raced in different eras. The Hamilton era began in 2007. The Schumacher era ended in 2006, and Schumacher came back, so they overlapped brief briefly. No, no other debate like that. Can you say? You can't say that about any other debate. LeBron and Michael Jordan, you can't say that. You can't say that about Richard Petty and Dale Earnhardt. You can't say that about Dale Earnhardt and Jimmy Johnson. You can't say that about Scott Dixon and AJ Foyt. You can't say that about any other comparison because they've always played in different eras, whereas Hamilton and Lewis overlapped and came right after one another. There was not any gap year in between where there was just anarchy in Formula One. It was, no, it was Schumacher retired, the Hamilton era started. Hamilton won a championship in 2008, almost immediately after he joined F1. Schumacher had been retired for uh, two full seasons by the time Hamilton won his first championship. Two! Two full seasons! He was out of the season. There was no transition period whatsoever. So again, that adds to that. I'm sorry. Let's move on to the outstanding performance. I'm sorry. Josh, go first. I know I'm supposed to go first, but I'm going to let you go first because I ranted too long about
0: that. Okay, I'm just, I'm just gonna simply put Ferrari, because you know what, the first off the simple start, Vettel moves up from 11th to 4th in the first lap, now, there's some craziness there, but he's able to maintain it, the Ferraris maybe weren't the fastest, because Red Bull might have been faster, and Racing Point definitely looked faster, at least with fresh tires but they were able to stick up there and almost had a double podium. um, If the last couple of corners there went a little bit different Uh, in Vettel's the first time he's on the podium since October 27th of last year at Mexico city. Crazy. Um, It's only Ferrari's third podium of 2020. So a good day for them. And and in a way they just kind of tightened up this run for the third place in the championship By a lot, because there's like 26 points, I think, that separate third place from sixth place right now. So things are going to be fun to watch at Bahrain, by two and Abu Dhabi.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a good call, but uh, mine is going to—I already just talked about it. I'm giving it to Lewis Hamilton, and here's why. It's crazy, because it's not like Lewis Hamilton doesn't always have an outstanding performance, but his race Sunday was absolutely outstanding. He had an abysmal start, terrible start, right? He fell back several positions, and then even there was a period of time where he had no grip. He was struggling with the brakes. There were a period of time where his brakes just weren't even working, so he was falling back even more. He was losing time. He was 15 seconds or more, almost 20 seconds behind Lance Stroll.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, And he came back, and he ran almost 50 laps, if not more, 50 laps on intermediates that by the time <laughs> this guy finish the race they were basically slick tires yep uh all on a surface that he had said earlier in the weekend was dangerous and undrivable. he did all of that and to winning his seventh title this in my opinion is one of lewis hamilton's greatest drives and it, it certainly should submit and solidify him as one of the greats because i don't think that there's anybody else who could probably do what hamilton did which has essentially come from 6th after a terrible start. He's 6th on the grid, I think. He fell back even further. I think he was 8th or ninth at one point. Um, and he came all the way back to win the race. Uh, there's just There was just no reason that guy should have won the race. Like, that was either Perez's race, that was Stroll's race, that was literally anybody's race but Hamilton's. And he still ended up winning. I, I, th- I think this was the one race that everybody went into thinking, Lewis Hamilton is not going to win this race. And he goes out and wins this race. So, yeah, I got to give it to him.
0: All right. Well, it's time to do the upshift, downshift segment here. We got four questions for you today. If (laughs) you're new and you don't know the upshift, downshift uh, segment is, upshift means you agree, downshift means you disagree. We can also throw it in a neutral because, you know what, we don't have enough information. We're not confident about whether we want to go or maybe... It's just this, this interesting question, and we're like, ah, we don't care. That's happened before. It doesn't happen often, but it, it's happened before. Um, we'll post these questions on uh, Twitter uh, with the hashtag Robin Roller as well, and uh, play along. Let us know what you think. Uh, we probably won't reveal. Sometimes we give some pretty strong hints. Other times we'll just be like, hey, this is a good question. I don't want to listen to us on this one. But uh, yeah, play along. Let us know what you think as well, and tell us also after you listen, hey, Rob Roller, You're dumb for saying that. You're completely wrong. But let us know. All right. So the first question here, Rob, in order to maximize opportunities for circuits and countries to host a Formula One Grand Prix, should alternating regional Grand Prix be considered such as an Iberian Grand Prix that alternates between Spain and Portugal? Do you upshift or downshift? I'm already loving your facial expression. Uh, I love
1: this idea because I mean, look, we've already, you've got a ton of, F1 great circuits that everybody says we need to go to. F1 needs to go to all these circuits. You've got classic circuits that are being left out, but you also have very excellent circuits that we've learned this year, like you know, Mugello, uh, Portimao, uh, Turkey, um, even uh, Emola, and and more, that can host an F1 race. You can put on fairly decent races. Uh, I think if Formula One wants to maximize their presence in, in throughout the world and grow their product and brand without having to go to uh, countries that have abysmal human rights records, this is something that needs to be considered. You know, I mean, and I think it, it was unfortunate. It's unfortunate that you know it didn't necessarily work this way for the German Grand Prix, alternating like that between Nurburgring and Hockenheimring. I believe at one point the Spanish Grand Prix was supposed to alternate between Barcelona. And, uh, and Valencia, but Valencia ended up losing money and shutting down, which is unfortunate because I think I would love to see the current F1 cars race at Valencia. I think that'd be really fun to watch. Um, anyway, uh, you know, I just, I, I just, uh, I would like to see that I I'm going to upshift and I think that's a great idea. That's a great way for formula one to kind of move on into the future, uh, and kind of rotate some tracks around and make for some different different kinds of racing, different, you know, keep drivers on their toes, you know, don't, don't let them prepare as easily for the next uh, the next year. You know what I mean? Maybe throw in some alternating tracks that they got to learn on their feet. Sometimes I think that'd be great.
0: Yeah. I'm going to upshift as well. I, I, I think, you know, one, it, in this situation, you, there's just so many good circuits in Europe. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, I don't know what, who, Turkey could rotate with, or maybe this is a slot where Turkey and Portugal rotate. But I feel like even, um, you know, trying to keep it regional, like, uh, like the question says in Iberian Grand Prix, it, it just shares the love and like, it just grows a brand, puts a presence out there. And also, you know, okay, Hey, Spanish Grand Prix this year, I, if I go to this year, I got to wait two years to go back, you know, um, and, it all, and I think it also will maximize, because we're seeing more and more races being added to the calendar. Some of them, yeah, we can agree, they, they shouldn't be on the calendar to begin with. But um, it just mis- it maximizes the great circuits that we have. I don't know, you know, I, I don't see Monza leaving the, you know, Italian Grand Prix leaving Monza, but you get a second Italy race, and they can re- rotate between Mugello and and Imola. Uh, Maybe the United States Grand Prix rotates between Circuit of the Americas in India, or or that second United States race rotates between India and Miami, or India or wherever it might be. Who knows? Um, maybe we only go to Brazil once every two years, and we go to Argentina, uh, the other year. I, again, I don't know. Just trying to again grow the brand, maximize these circuits, maximize countries' opportunities to have this cash influx. Uh, of money that an F1 Grand Prix brings in as long as they're not like doing, going the Olympic route, spending all this money and, you know, going bankrupt. I'd hate for that to happen. But uh yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think it should, should already be happening myself. Uh Next one here. We, I alluded to this earlier, Corey LaJoy and John Hunter Nemechek are the front runners to be Spire Motorsports, two full-time drivers in 2021. Do you upshift or downshift that this is the case? Sure
1: seems like it. Uh, I am surprised John Hunter decided to leave um, front row motorsports. I'm surprised about that. Uh, it's not bad though because it opens up a, a, a potential role for Ty Dillon, which would be great for him because I'd hate to see him get out of a uh, you know, not be in, in NASCAR anymore. I think he's a great driver and I think he could do a lot of great things with FRM, maybe elevate them. Uh, much like John Hunter did, and maybe elevate them to a level where they want to, they can compete maybe for top tens more often than, than they are. Uh, but I think, you know, I think it's very interesting to see Corey LaJoy and John Hunter Nemechek seemingly be very, very confident with Spire because I think Spire's performance in the past has shown me that I wouldn't be very confident about signing with them. But they do have another charter now. Hopefully, they're getting a, maybe more influxes of money. Um, We'll just have to. I, I. I have to see. I'm kind of neutral about this, but I do think it's good. So I'm gonna end up upshifting after all. Uh, I'm gonna. I actually am gonna upshift. I think that this is a good move for them. I think hopefully that it will be beneficial not only for Corey Lejoy and for John Hunter, but then also for Spire, because I think both of those guys are good drivers that probably aren't going to get, you know, calls from Rick Hendrick or Joe Gibbs or I don't know Roger Penske or something. They're not going to get calls from them, so they should probably go ahead and build teams and and, and do good job do, do do a good job building those teams and making those teams into potentially successful organizations. So I'm going to go ahead and upshift.
0: Yeah, I upshift that they are they are the front runners, and I upshift their decisions to be the front runners. And if John Harneymancheck is leaving Spire to or leaving Front Row to go to Spire. I, I, we, I've seen things on Twitter that that say you know Spire looks to be you know aligning with Hendrick, and I think that's a good move. They both bring I think a little bit of funding with them as well. It's not funding that's going to be ten races on a Hendrick Motorsports car, but it's going to be it's it's funding that they de- that Spire doesn't have before. I think Spire is has made this transition. I think it's originally going to be a three year plan, but it looks, seems that they're expediting that to be, okay, it's time to, for us to put a little bit more into this, um, take our, our performance our efforts to the next level, or however they, you know, we should word it depending upon who you ask is how that's also going to be worded. Cause I'm sure there's people out there who have negative opinions on how they've done, how they've gone about it. But uh, I think Spire Motorsports is certainly going to be a different looking team and it's only going to be that much better if you have two cars that have one driver each instead of one car that's got multiple drivers across it, having a consistent face in there, consistent performances. I could I think LaJoy and Hunter Namichek were consistent this year. Yes, Namichek was a was a was a rookie and he made some rookie mistakes, but I think overall, I, I think there's some good things we could point out. And plus, he's a Chevy guy for a long time. And I'm sure Chevy maybe was disappointed that he went to Ford this year, now getting him back. I don't know. That's a lot of speculation on my part, but again, I upshift. All right. So this one, next one here, we talked about the Turkish Grand Prix a little bit. The Turkish Grand Prix deserves a second look for a possible 21, uh, 2021 because he had, you had that to, uh, be determined race or 2022 calendar date in formula one. Do you upshift or downshift? Okay. I said they should go to Pornham. I was wrong. They should go to Turkey. They should be going to Turkey.
1: I know I said it was maybe hypocritical. That I said they shouldn't be going to countries with bad human rights issues. Okay, look. I wanna see Turkey. I wanna see turn eight flat out. I didn't get to see turn eight flat out. I have hopes that maybe next year we'll get to see turn eight flat out. I just wanna see turn eight flat out. So if that makes me a hypocrite, fine. Whatever. I'm gonna upshift.
0: I upshift too. I I, I yeah, I had to agree. Why does why does one of the best why does maybe the best Herman Tilkey track have to be in Turkey? It is the best Herman Tilke yeah, track. Yeah, it yeah, is wow. hands
1: down the best
0: Herman Tilkey track. I think
1: cool. that is a universal uh, belief by everybody. Well, okay, I like Turkey, but you know, I also have a soft spot in my heart for India, so I'm gonna say that too.
0: That's fair. That's a fair statement.
1: That's a soft part. Yeah. Soft that's my second favorite Tilke track because it it kind of has its own version of Turn Eight. It's not really turn eight. You actually have to you go flat out through, it, but it has multiple apexes through the turn, and it's really fun. But
0: yeah. anyway, I think I i I'm gonna go out on a limb here, and it's it it, it it's kind of got to be a big one. But I want to be surprised. For 2022, has 24 races. They've already set a cap at 25, and if they have 20, they add a 24th race in 2022. Um. Turkey certainly deserves to be considered. I'm hoping deep down that uh, Portugal or, I mean, our Germany gets the to-be-determined date slot next season, but Turkey definitely deserves a second look uh, in 22. So this last one here. uh, Frontstretch.com's Michael Massey suggested... That an incentive should be in place for non-championship four drivers during NASCAR's championship weekend for them to race and attempt to win the final race and you know race the championship four drivers you know go for the win. And uh, he suggested such as a big cash bonus. Do you upshift or downshift, Rob? This is
1: a very interesting premise. I'm interested about it because personally, I feel like. It always seems the the top four, the championship four, are always racing with each other in the final race, and you almost hear there's never any there's never any talk of spoilers, right? There's like nobody ever talks about spoilers, especially after um, halfway. And we haven't seen ever any spoilers. Why why can't we get some spoilers? Why can't we have some crazy crazy <laughs> stuff happening? You know, be, by a driver who's like, no, I'm not going to take a back seat to these guys. I'm going to try and win this race for myself, like Kyle Larson used to do when the race was at Homestead, and before you know, a bunch of green-white checkers happened and he got taken, basically taken out of contention. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, I I look at that and I think you know that's interesting. If if it's kind of like a bounty system, like you put a bounty on. Like, what, what driver that's been eliminated or what, what non championship four driver can beat the championship four? And I think it'd be kind of interesting to put a bounty on it. But also, I think that NASCAR probably wouldn't like that because it could affect the outcome of the championship a little bit too much. Potentially, who knows? Um, you know, the last thing you want to see is a guy going for the win, taking out a championship contender and having them go from champion to fourth place in like, a split second. So I'm not sure if this is exactly something that I want, but I'm going to be a little bit neutral. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a chance if it ends up happening, but I'm not going to say I'm all for it. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of going to shift into neutral here on this one.
0: I tweeted it. I am all for this. There needs, okay. this, this needs to happen. I need, this needs to happen. Million dollars for our non in the cup series. Half a million in the Xfinity's and quarter million in the truck series. Go out there, all right, and show us. If Kevin Harvick, yeah, it would have sucked if Kevin Harvick would have gone out there and won Phoenix. But you know what it would have sucked in 2014, too, if Gordon would have won Homestead, okay? You got eliminated for whatever reason, and you're not there. You didn't have the performance. You had some bad luck. That's what happened. That's racing. That's sports. That's, that's life, okay? sometimes things just don't work out. And, yeah, this is this, this just needs to happen. It's too bland, okay? The Phoenix race, I think it's better than what people are saying. But if you're simply watching the race on television, it sucks. Because all they do is concentrate on the championship four. Which, in a way, is halfway rightfully so. But there was other racing going on in the field somewhere that certainly deserved our attention. And if you can go out there and say, dang it. I'm Kevin Harvick. I just got eliminated from the championship race. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to steal a million bucks from, from these guys. I'm not going to let them, I'm not going to pull over for them. I'm going to race them hard. I'm going to give them respect, but I'm going to race them hard. Cause I want that million dollar bonus. This just adds another layer of drama in sports or entertainment. Racing is no different. This adds another layer of entertainment. Okay. Can Kevin Harvick go up there and win this race? Can Kyle Busch go up there and win this race? Whoever it might be. okay. Can Noah Graxson? Imagine Noah Graxson goes out there, doesn't get passed by Austin Cindric. He wins the race. Austin Cindric still finished the second, but he collects a half a million dollar bonus. That's awesome. This needs to happen, and it needs to happen next year. Uh, yeah, that's all I got to say. It, it just needs to happen. Um, with that, we just hit the one thirty mark. I'm going to try and go through this real quickly. It's time for Roller's Featured Racetrack. Uh, so buckle in, Rob. I don't know if you already looked at this. You you know this track very well. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, so for the better part of 40 years, Formula One has worked to bring a Formula One World Championship uh, race to the New York metropolitan area. In an episode from September 17th, 2019, I discussed the Meadowlands Sports Complex and a planned but ultimately canceled Marlboro Grand Prix of New York, which was to take place uh, around the World Trade Center complex in the early 1990s. So go back and listen to that one. That's just both of them kind of unique stories. That one nearly happened. I mean, all because of a cigarette branding is what kind of stopped that one, Uh, tobacco branding in general. But probably the most um, viable to get a Formula One uh, race to New York City, especially in a post-9-11 era, was the effort to bring the Grand Prix of America to Port Imperial uh, back about a decade ago. So in May 2010, Bernie Ecclestone announced plans to bring Formula One to New York City in 2012 and said that the race would take place across the Hudson River in New Jersey. Originally, plans were to uh, host the Grand Prix at Jersey City's Liberty State Park on reclaimed land, which once boasted rail facilities, including the renovated and preserved Central uh, Railroad of New Jersey Terminal. Those plants were ultimately scrubbed just a few months later. Then in August 2011, the Wall Street Journal reported that the race would be taking place in Weehawken in West New York, New Jersey. Two months later, the Wall Street Journal reported again that a June 2013 date had been set other news outlets were more cautious, however, citing that there still needed to be approval from government officials, including those in Hudson County. Later that month, a revised proposal was put forward, tra- tracing a street circuit that ran through Port Imperial, climbing the Hudson Palisades to the Boulevard East before descending the Palisades to rejoin Port Imperial Boulevard. Then in October 25, 2011, it was announced and confirmed to... By then, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie that Formula One would be coming to New Jersey with a New York City skyline in the background in June 2013. Christie said, quote, you can expect upwards of 100,000 people to attend each race over three days. People People from all over the world will be coming to New Jersey to see this race on this unique and exciting course. I can assure Formula One that this is one of the wisest decisions you have ever made. To come hold this event in New Jersey, unquote. Yeah, all right. At least they had the go- the governor's backing, but not necessarily the government's backing. Dubbed the Port Imperial Street Circuit, it was revealed to a three point two mile, three point two mile street circuit with nineteen turns, and designed by the mentioned earlier uh, Herman Tilke. It was also uh, immediately compared to Monaco because it's waterfront gorgeous skyline, you know, and, and kind of had the climbs, uh, you know, and elevation changes of that Monaco, uh, Humpy Wheeler even served as a consultant for the event. Yes. The same Humpy Wheeler from Charlotte Motor Speedway and NASCAR. He said, uh, quote, I have no doubt this will be one of the great marquee racing events in history. Unquote. Uh, the race reportedly received a 10 year contract and would be paired with the Canadian Grand Prix in Montreal to reduce logistical costs for teams Uh, so we're on back to back weekends here in North America was run two races. Um, things were looking good for the next several months before, uh, uh, early, uh, Ecclestone confirmed in, in July, 2012, that the point PO race was submitted to the uh, FIA and included in the 2013 provisional calendar with a date of June 13th, 2013. Um, but the but the race was uh, named Grand Prix of New Jersey, parentheses, New York. I thought that was just very weird. That was repeated. I'm like, that's just weird. Why? Why, just, why not Grand Prix of America, folks? Uh, just days later, after the provisional calendar was released, however, Ecclestone announced that the race's contract had been annulled. He said that the organizers of the event hadn't complied with terms of the contract. Then in October 2012, the mayor of Waukegan, uh, Wa yeah, Wa- Wauheekin, uh, announced the race hadn't had been delayed until 2014. Ecclestone only stated uh, that the organizers didn't have all the money, uh, all the necessary arrangements, excuse me, in place to host the Grand Prix. Uh, it was the beginning. Uh, it was becoming clear the leaders of the race were having trouble finding ways to fund the race. Yet road work was set to commence in late 2013 to benefit the race, you know, smoother course and all that. New Jersey Governor Chris Christie said that there had been no discussions of the state subsidizing the event, as many events are, including uh, the current U.S. Grand Prix at Circuit of the Americas. Uh, Ecclestone became impatient and even looked at Long Beach as a potential substitution for Port Imperial.
1: I remember getting excited about that possibility.
0: Yeah. Then, in June 2013, organizer Leo Hendry announced a new 15-year contract with the FIA for Port Imperial, with a new 24-car paddock and road work beginning within a few weeks, way earlier than expected. Then two months later in August, Ecclestone announced uh, the race's cancellation for 2014 as the $100 million price tag had not been raised uh, for the race. Then during the telecast of the 2013 Singapore Grand Prix, It was announced that Hendry and his organization had submitted all fees and had a provisional date of June 1st, 2014, right between Monaco and Canadian race weekends. But on December 4th, 2013, when the 2014 Formula 1 calendar was released, the Grand Prix of America was not included. Ecclestone didn't give up on the race forever, saying it would take place in 2015, but that same month he said that the organizers were once again in breach of contract and that he would look for another party to organize the event. Since then, the only news for Port Imperial was a Forbes article saying that Henry had found investors, but they had pulled out at the last minute for a potential 2016 date. Now, since then, nothing has been heard about Port Imperial, and sadly, it seems it's most likely dead on the banks of the Hudson. So Autosport, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Formula One, and The Guardian helped with uh, this roller coaster racetrack. This was one I was really hoping that, that would take place. I mean, just how aesthetically pleasing this would be, watching F1 cars tear on the streets of New Jersey, and you have World Trade One, the Empire State Building, the Chrysler Building, and the background shots. I mean, just... It doesn't get more American than that folks. I, I really don't think so and and uh I mean the only way it could be more American is if you had IndyCar or NASCAR there, but uh still that would have been so cool to see. This is one I was hoping that would take place and I don't think it ever will now. I just I just don't. Um Rob any comments there? Yeah, no. I'm a big fan of uh Kira and all of that. Um, obviously, I was uh
1: you know, I was I was I was, I was hoping for that race to take place as well. Um, but I think deep down, I always kind of knew it was never going to happen. Um, of course I said the same thing about circuit of the Americas. There were, there were times that I was like this, there's no way this is going to get built. Um, but stuff ends up happening. So, you know, I miss, I miss it. Uh, I I miss when that was always in the news, (laughs) like what's going to happen to port Imperial. What's going to happen to port Imperial. Are we going to have a grand prix of the Americas or, or not? Um, yeah just good times good times to remember that um good but it was good to to kind of learn some new things stuff that i didn't necessarily know beforehand i thought i i was i remember when it was being announced and talked about i would sit in i was a senior in high school i was just sitting in uh in class all the time reading racer articles on my iPod touch or on my no what did i have a samsung galaxy s three mini yeah Yeah, that's what I had. Holy cow. Boy, good times. Good times. Yep. So anyway,
0: (laughs) that's all I got to say about that one. All right. Well, yeah, definitely one I wish would happen. It would have happened because that just would have been so cool. All right. So that's been the show, folks. So what's in the windshield in two weeks? Formula One begins a three week Middle Eastern swing to conclude its revised 2020 season and calendar. And the championship will officially be Hamilton's, uh, even though, yes, he's clinched it, but it will officially be his. Um, The Constructors' and Drivers' Championships are both locked up, but the race for third place is very good, as we've mentioned uh, earlier in the show. That's going to be the thing to watch. And uh, the midfield racing is always great in Formula 1. So it all begins on November 29th when they race the Bahrain Grand Prix, which will take place on the traditional Grand Prix circuit. Um, uh, then on December 6th, the second race at Bahrain will take place on the outer circuit there. And, uh, then the season will conclude at Yas Marina, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix on December 13th. Um, and just looking forward there, we will have a show that week on the 15th, but we're also going to have a new year special, uh, which will be, we will record around the December 29th or 30th time frame for a release on the 30th or 31st. Um, so just heads up on that one. That one's going to be a very special show. We're going to have some special segments on there that I shared with Rob and Rob is pretty excited about these, that the segments that we have here. And I can't wait to hear what he writes and has to say about them. And I'm excited for it as well. So that's a little bit of what's in the windshield for the show. So, uh, and obviously we got a uh, long time before Daytona and IndyCar and then the 2021 F1 season begins. but, but okay, we'll, we'll all survive while Formula E during the winter, hopefully. Um, with that being said, thanks for, for, um, for listening. Again, if you're returning, hope you enjoyed it again, share it with your friends. Uh, you know, especially if they love racing or if they just want to get into racing, you know, here's a couple guys who have watched racing for 20 plus years sharing what sharing our thoughts and our experiences. Um and if you're new, we hope you enjoyed it and you come back and listen to more and you share with your f- racing friends and non-racing friends as well. Uh, our Twitter's again Rob is at rpeters Peters33. That's R-P-E-E-T-R-S-33. I'm at Roller underscore zero one R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one. The show's at Robin Roller. Ah, uh, just as it sounds there, use the hashtag Robin all as well. When you play along with, uh, our, our feature paint schemes and guessing the, the racetrack of the week. And then, uh, also our upshift downshift questions and a reminder folks do your best, wear your mask. Um, it's, it's, it stinks. We know it, but, uh, you know, we want it, we want life to get, to be as normal as possible. We were doing good and the now it just seems like we're taking a couple steps backwards Uh, wear your mask, do your best to not only protect yourself, but others. Um, and, uh, you have a great week for Rob Peters. I'm Josh roller. And this was the racing with Robin roller podcast.